Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a joy to worship God this morning together as a family of God. And I believe God has some wonderful things in store for us. Um, last week around uh, in different parts of the world, people celebrated Resurrection Sunday. We had a wonderful time ourselves. And uh, before that, um, I, we were doing a series. We were talking, uh, I, I started doing a series about being, being filled with the Spirit, walking, living a life in the Holy Spirit. And even as we saw um, la- the last session that I took, I started taking signs of a spirit-filled life. How do I know that I'm walking with the Holy Spirit? What are some signs that I'm living a spirit-filled life? And, and the previous week I, I introduced, I said, if I walk with the Holy Spirit, <coughs> then I will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Which means one of the signs of walking with the Holy Spirit was that we would know that we would be living differently. We would not live carnal lives. We would not live ungodly lives. And then we saw... One of the signs of, signs of a spiritual life was that there'd be, you know, we'd, we'd worship God in the spirit. Jesus said, those who, days are coming, times are coming, that those who worship me shall worship in spirit and in truth. You know, the lady had a question. The Samaritan woman asked Jesus, uh, my father, our fathers worshipped in, in, in Jerusalem or in uh, Gerushim. You Jews, you guys are worshipping in Jerusalem. Where are we supposed to worship? Is it this church or is it that church? And Jesus said, it's not this church or that church. Days are coming. True worshippers will be spirit-filled worshippers. Will plug in, will, will pursue, will desire. It's not just the location as much as the encounter with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And God wants every child of God, every believer to encounter with the Holy Spirit. That we worshippers, that we be spirit-filled worshippers. And then we saw... One of the signs of uh, a spirit-filled life is to be led by the Holy Spirit. That God would want you and me to walk with the Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit. And we saw how God, you can live an exciting life being led by the Holy Spirit. We saw again that the fourth sign of a spirit-filled life is is that when when a child of God is every day living and walking with the Holy Spirit, that child of God begins to have the power to witness about Jesus Christ, has a desire in his heart to tell others about Jesus, to walk in the love of God, to know Jesus, and to make him known to other people. Power. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. So truly, if we are living a Christian spiritual life, that there will be power to witness and then we saw a fifth sign of, of living a spiritual life is that we would be praying in the Holy Spirit. That every one of us would desire to pray in the Holy Spirit. You see, one of the, one of the things that go wrong for us is that many times we believe certain things. And, and because we believe it, we think that because I agree with it, therefore I may have it. I believe that I need to live a spiritual life, therefore I'm living a spiritual life. I believe I'm going to a charismatic church. People say, what kind of church do you go to? Oh, we go to a spirit-filled church. We go to a church where they, they worship uh, and they sing in tongues and they speak in tongues. And they say, oh, because I go to that kind of a church, maybe uh, that's why we are a spirit-filled Christian. But I want you to know 
That's not true either. Some of you all may say, well, my father was a, was a spiritual pastor. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm a PK, a pastor's kid. And therefore, I must be a spiritual Christian. I want you to know being a pastor's kid doesn't make you a spiritual Christian. Being born in a pastor's home doesn't make you a spiritual Christian. But being born in a garage, you don't become a Ferrari, do you? So, you don't become a spiritual Christian by being born somewhere. You become a spiritual Christian when you walk in the Spirit. When you live, when you love God, and you're saying, I want to walk in the Spirit, you pray in the Spirit. So today, I want to look at three more signs of, how do I know I'm a spiritual Christian? How do I know I'm walking with the Holy Spirit? And I want to pursue three more signs. And one of the first things I want to talk about today, the sixth sign of a spiritual life, walking in the Spirit, is that we will not, any child of God that is walking with the Holy Spirit, will not resist the Holy Spirit. Will not resist the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in in Acts in chapter 7 and verse 25, Stephen looked at the Pharisees and and all the preachers and all of that, that he says over there, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your heart, And ears are always resisting in your heart and in your ears. And are always resisting the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if in those days, those Pharisees would have never imagined that God would say that about them. And oftentimes in our life, we also will never imagine that God would say that about us. You know, we always think God would have only wonderful things to say about us. It's true. That God loves us. Many years ago, I, 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 while I was preaching, I shared something like this. God loves everybody, but only a few make Him proud. Amen. God loves everybody, but only a few make Him proud. And it's so important. God believes in everybody, but only a few are entrusted with the things of God. God believes that God, that you're wonderful, you can be used by God. But only a few are entrusted. Why? Because God wants us to walk with Him. The Bible says, do not resist the Holy Spirit. The word resist in the Greek is a Greek word, antipipto. It means to oppose. It means to stand against, to strive against, to, to push back. When the Holy Spirit is Saying, in, do this this way. You're pushing back. You're opposing. You're saying, no, I do not want that in my life. I do not want this in my life. Look what, who the Bible says are people that resist the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible has to say about it. Many times in our life, we end up resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Believers resist the work of the Holy Spirit. And unbelievers equally can resist the work of the Holy Spirit. They can say in their life, they can say, uh, believers can, uh, you know, unbelievers can say, I do not want to repent. I do not want to obey God. I do not want to, you know, follow that. Believers can resist the work of the Holy Spirit. And they can say, oh, we don't want to listen to that word. No, 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 no. You can say other things, but God, I am, I am, there is no way I'm going to forgive that guy. There is just no way. You can preach all you want, you can say all you want, but I am not going to forgive that person. Because you have no idea what that person did to me. As believers, we can resist the work of the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says in Acts 7.51. It says, you men who are stiff-necked 
stiff-necked, and uncircumcised in heart, ears, always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Many times we don't recognize there are many things we have learned, behavioral patterns we have learned from some of our forefathers. And if they can be godly behavioral patterns and ungodly behavioral patterns, it can be patterns of humility and it can be patterns of pride. It can be patterns of gentle spirit. It can be patterns of, of arrogance. You don't know which church I come from. Years ago, sharing a gospel with somebody who came from a Catholic church, he looked at me and he said, I am born a Catholic. I will die a Catholic. And I was thinking in my heart, hmm, I'm specifically, uh, I'm born carnal. But I want to die born again. Amen. I don't, want to, I don't want to be known by the identity of a denomination. I want to be known by the identity of who my father is. Hallelujah. That's what we want. That our heavenly father calls you and me my child. That's what we want to know by. You stiffed. You men were stiff-necked. One of the signs of resisting the Holy Spirit is a stiff-necked pride in our heart. Uncircumcised in our heart, years, always resisting the Holy Spirit. You're doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who previously announced the coming of the righteous one. They killed those that announced the Messiah is coming. Whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Years ago, I, was, uh, I got saved and I had a dear friend of mine who came from another faith and he got born again, received Jesus Christ, was on fire for God, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we would go to the villages and preach the gospel and we would, you know, when, in our college day, we saw some wonderful things happen. So we came down, um, uh, came down and went uh, to a church that I used to be part of in yesteryears, oh, a traditional church. And sometimes we can hold on to our traditions and resist, resist the work of God. It does not matter what traditional background we come from. Even if it is a spirit-filled church tradition, we can hold on to it and resist when God wants to do something new in our life. We can resist the work of God. So my friend now, after the church service, we went, uh, there was a youth meeting, and so because he had come and because the church uh, respected us, as, uh, uh, you know, they invited us to come forward and told my friend, uh, you know, he comes from another faith, why doesn't he share how he turned to Jesus? So my friend went to the front and I was his translator. After t- translating for him, he shared how he encountered Jesus, how he was born again, how he came from another background, how God had changed his life, and then how he got filled with the Holy Spirit and started going and, and preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ to different places. And he started telling them how he witnessed going to the villages and how, how miracles started happening and how in his life he began to see healings happening and demons being cast out and all of that. After finishing sharing the testimony, both of us came and sat down. And the priest from that tradition walks up to the front and says, Whatever you heard that man tell till now, said it in the local language, whatever you heard that man tell till now is absolute lies. There is no such thing as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There is no such thing as demons. There is no such thing as, uh, you know, these miracles. It doesn't happen. And he said, I have done PhD in theology. And he said, from my experience and all I learned, I'm sure that such a thing is not there. I sat in the back and I'm shocked. I am shell-shocked. He had an argument and he had theological studies. We had an encounter with Jesus that changed our life. 
A man or woman with an encounter is always at a better place than a man or a woman with just an argument. Hallelujah. Something changed our lives so mightily that we wanted to spend the rest of our life living for Jesus. After the service, I walked up to this, uh, to this priest and I said, I said, excuse me, I'm not sure I heard you right. <laughs> did you say that? Did, I, did you just say what I heard you say? He said, yeah. Then I, I told him, I said, I told him, priest, you have to start preaching the truth of God's word. And he said, in, in language, he said, here, in this place, this is all that's going to happen. So I looked at him and I said, I said, if you don't speak the truth from God's word, the judgment of God will come upon you. I said, there has to be a fear of God. How, how can you even stand doing this without the fear of God? And, and he told me, he said, the problem with you fellows, no, at that time I was a young boy, he said, yeah, the problem with you fellows, you're all going to these born again groups. That is the problem. <laughs> I smiled and I said, the problem is not I'm going to born again group, I'm one of the leaders of the born again group. I said, I'm the guy that takes people to the born again group. He said, ah, that is the problem. <laughs> so then I told him, I said, but the problem I'm talking about here is that we need to preach the truth from God's word. It's there in the Bible. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is there. Miracles are there. Healings are there. The apostles did it. Jesus did it. All of them did it. Then why are you saying, how do you get your PhD on theology? And he said, here, this is all that will happen. Nothing more will happen in my church. And I said, thank you very much if that's your decision. I wrote a resignation letter and walked out. Why? Because I did not want to be a wolf in sheep's clothes. Preaching the word of God and being in that place that where the leaders just refused were saying no. You see, what can happen is that once we come to a place of respect in any church, including ours over here, we come to a place of respect. Or as families, we come to a place of respect. You're doing well in your career. You're doing well in your studies. You, and suddenly everybody's respecting you. Your family traditions are all are there. And you're enjoying and basking in that. And God suddenly comes your way and tells, repent. Turn around from your sin. And by now you have become so big. Or you become so important. And it can happen to pastors. Where are we preaching and teaching, becoming so popular and all of that. Now, when the Holy Ghost is telling us to repent, we resist it. We're resisting the work of God, saying, God, uh, 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 no, uh, no I, I can give other things up, but not that. No, there is no way I'm going to give up that. There is no way I'm going to give up my plans. There is no way I'm going to give up that boyfriend that I'm in love with. There is no way I'm going to give up that other person I'm having a secret affair with. There is no way I'm going to do that. You can resist the work of the Holy Spirit. And God would look at you and say, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart. You name, we, we name Him with our lips. But oftentimes our hearts are far, far away. The Bible talks about a man called Demas. Demas, the Bible says, in, in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14, the Bible says that Demas, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings. And also Demas. Who was Demas? Demas was a co-worker in the gospel. And the Bible talks about Demas that while others send the greetings, they are, you know, he's saying Luke sends greetings and Demas also sends. Which means Demas was a co-worker along with Luke. But if you see in 2 Timothy 4.10, we see for Demas, having loved this present world, look at what's getting his heart. Having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Has gone to Thessalonica and he's saying, Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. 
What is it about this man, Demas, who was along with, with Dr. Luke and preaching the gospel and carrying this wonderful gospel to many places? Suddenly one day, now Paul with heartbreak has to say, Demas has loved this present world. Why do we resist the Holy Spirit? Because we can fall in love with this world. We can fall in love with the people of this world. And I want you to know, anything you fall in love with this world will desert you. The people will desert you. Your money will fly away. Your prestige will fly away. Your good looks, you're looking beautiful when you're young. Soon you'll be old, that'll God be gone. Your wealth, your traditions, your, all of that will go. And One day you and I, we are going to have to stand before the God, the God of heaven. Before his great white throne judgment. And we are going to have to give an account for the lives that we have lived. And if that is the case, the Bible says, we should not resist the Holy Spirit. Why, why do we resist the Holy Spirit? We resist the Holy Spirit because we have fears. What will happen to my future? What will my family say? What will happen to, how will I live? I don't, I, Lord, I don't want to forgive that person because they will take advantage of me again. I am not going to. We resist the Holy Spirit because we have our own fears. We have our pain. We have our pride in our heart. One day I was preaching in another nation. Hannah and I, we were preaching in another nation, uh, in a western nation. And they had invited us to speak in a marriage conference. So as both of us, Pastor Hannah and I, we were, we were speaking there at the marriage conference. I was supposed to take the first session and Hannah was supposed to take the second session. It was an all-day conference. We were supposed morning to evening. And uh, my first, uh, before going up, I told Hannah, I said, Hannah, I'll take the men, you take the women. I said, let's do this. So, you know, we prepared all our notes and I said, I'll be hard on the men. You come in like, you know, let's, you go for the women. So we said, all right, let's do this. So I went in first session. I went tongs and hammers on the men. Basically, I started talking about the men, the responsibility of God on men. And how God has called men to become a blessing in the home and blessing in the church and all of that. And how God has called men to be a key behind helping your woman blossom in their life. <laughs> the problem in that nation is that often because the women had better jobs than the men, higher salaries and all of that, and the men are not as educated as the women in, in that particular, in our kind of community churches over there. Uh, so the only place that men had a lot of respect is when they come to church. Because in church, women remain silent in church. I do not permit the women to speak. Oh, so, so the men speak. So the men went... That's where they spread their chest out. And they're all, and you know, they feel so excited because back there, if the women have bigger salaries, they have separate bank accounts, that all of that. And so when you come to church, at least in church, God recognized who we men are. So when I went so hard on the men, while I'm preaching that first session, a committee gathered in the back of the church. The committee of men got together and they said, this fellow is really dangerous for us. So after my first session finished around 12 o'clock in the afternoon, I came up, you know, I was going to sit down and Hannah was going to take the second session and she was supposed to speak to the women. So I've come back and uh, the, well, the pastor comes up to me and said, we don't have much time. Uh, Sister Hannah can speak for 15 minutes. Afternoon session will be intercession. So I'm thinking in my heart, wait a minute, this is supposed to be a whole day marriage conference and they're just stopping it by afternoon and uh, by 12 or 1 o'clock. And so I said, well, okay, if that's what you want, that's fine. So Hannah goes up and she takes the women up. Man, that, that was so, so they had given her 15 minutes. She took a little more time because there still was time. 
and she spoke so well the pastor comes up to me and says pastor john sister hannah should stay back here one week take special classes for the sisters special session what a what a wonderful session the guys on my face is telling me thanne venda we don't need you we we don't need you but sister hannah what session she to one week you know she should come and take session specially for the sisters basically telling them how to fall in line and obey their husbands and do all of that teach these women that you know we are the anointed ones we men we we are we are the ones we are the real deal you know and uh, and after that the intercession what were they doing resisting the word of god because often times we do that we like it when the word tells things that benefit us and we hate it when the word tells things rebuking us we don't like rebuke because we even if god would rebuke us we would say no no that is not god god never you know some people say god never god only tells our heart my son you are such a sweet boy i know you're living in sin you're dancing with the devil but you're really sweet you know we think god would never say anything wrong my bible says our god is a is a consuming fire You see we we resist the work of the holy spirit why do we resist because rebellion and and pride and carnality and all these things are in our hebrews chapter 10 verse 29 says like this how much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the son of god and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified has insulted the spirit of grace people of god I want you to know the Bible says for such a one there is no more sacrifice someone born again that is turned to God that is you know loves the Lord has experienced salvation and then when God is speaking something to our heart we're telling God no way I am not going to do that I refuse to submit the Bible says you see the Bible is saying that is a heart of rebellion and God is saying I want I want you not to resist the Holy Spirit. One of the signs by which we know we are living a spirit-filled life is that we refuse to resist the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We do not oppose the Holy Ghost. We do not stand up against the Holy Spirit. The seventh sign. How do I know that I'm I'm walking with the Holy Spirit? How do I know I'm living a life in the Holy Ghost? The seventh sign of a spirit-filled life The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. The Bible says, "Do not quench the Holy Spirit." We just saw the scripture, "Resist not the Holy Spirit." But now we are seeing in 1 Thessalonians 5:19, the Bible says, "Quench not the Holy Spirit." Resist not the Holy Spirit, quench not the Holy Spirit. And then we are going to see soon grieve not the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. What does it all mean? What does it mean not to resist? What does it mean not to quench and what does it mean not to grieve the holy spirit the bible says resist not the holy spirit what does that mean it means don't oppose the work of the holy spirit don't stand against don't have god on that side and you on this and you're saying no way god i am not going to agree to this i am not going to love this the lord selling you that relationship you are in is ungodly that is not right no lord you can say anything not that 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 don't tell me about that i will not listen to that The Lord's asking you repent from that pride. Lord, you can ask me to repent from any other pride not this one. This is too much. I'm not going to agree to this. You see we're resisting. But what is quenching? Quenching not the spirit. 
The root word quench, which means to extinguish or to put out the fire. Or put out the sparks or putting out the lamp. Today, many times in our life, at some point we go to a, a conference or we go to a seminar and we're on fire for God. Uh, you know, somehow I found you go to a three-day seminar. Usually third day is the best day. Last session is the most high. You know, your, your first day you go there, it's like taking a chicken out of a deep freezer. It takes at least four hours to thaw. That's why the first session everybody's sitting like, you know, they're seeing stars. And, and then the second session onwards, you begin to warm up a bit. By evening, you're saying, it's a nice conference. By the second day, I'm glad I'm back. By second day evening, you're like, wow. By third day, you know, ready or not, God's on the move. You know, you're so excited and you're on fire. After the seminar, you know, a, a friend of mine, a pastor used to say, it's like the Indian railway stations. The train comes, you know, it'll be going on long journeys. Not in Kerala, northern part of the country. Between stations, we'll have one or two hours. The train will be going two hours nonstop. At that time, we'll fall asleep. Suddenly, he'll come to a railway station. At the railway station, chai, 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 coffee, coffee. Everybody wakes up. You're buying something, filling the bottle, all that. That's like special meetings. You just arrived at that station. You heard the word. And you're excited and you're refilling your bottle and buying your tea and freshing up and all of that. And after some time, another two hours and then you're gone. The Bible says, don't put the spirits fire out. Don't allow things in your life and my life that will put the fire of the Holy Spirit out. The Bible says, it says in verse 19 of the First Thessalonians 5, 19, verse 14 onwards, what does it say? We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. First Corinthians, uh, First Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 14, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. It means rebuke the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterance, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Quench not the Spirit. Don't put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Many people say, when I was a young boy, yeah, I remember how I was saved. And since then, you know, life goes on. You see, that's not the will of God. It's not for us to say, since then, early days I had the fire. But after that, some difficult things came in my life. You see, we, we, what happens in our life is that we, things go on in our life and we suddenly put that fire out. Years ago, uh, when I was, uh, uh, there was a time I, had, uh, you know, I was part of a church and some young people were there and they started speaking lies about me and slandering me in, in, in front of the leaders and all of that. And I got to know that. The moment I got to know my heart was very grieved. My heart was so grieved, I told myself, I am not going to do any more ministry. These fellows, they're total horrible fellows. These, these guys, I have, and those are the times you begin to encounter everything you've done for them. In your mind, you'll be thinking, oh, you know, I, I, gave, I gave my biryani for them. You know, as a young boy, you give your biryani away. That's a big sacrifice, all right? So I was thinking in my heart, those guys are eating rice and sambar. I brought biryani from my hostel. I gave my biryani away. Those guys, they did not have money to go for something. How I spent my money on them. They were backslidden. How I went after them and shared the gospel. And we begin to self-righteously think about how wonderful we are. Self-righteously think, I'm better than them. I know better. And all of that. And I'm thinking, after everything I did for them, this is what they do to me. 
This is what they do to me. In my heart, I'm so broken. I went back and I cried out to God and I said, Lord, I, I'm going to have my quiet time, but I am stopping the ministry. No more ministry. These fellows, this is actually what I thought in my heart. These guys don't deserve this. They don't deserve, you know, our kind of loving and sacrifice and all of that. That night I said, I'm done with ministry. I, this is finished. I'm going to sleep. Tomorrow morning I'll have my quiet time, but no more ministry. I'm done. Next morning I woke up. I opened the Bible, the book of Nehemiah. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And God began to remind me. God began to tell me. You see, we are disappointed because other people let us down. And we are quenching the Holy Spirit by saying, God, I cannot serve you. I can serve you only if everybody recognizes me correctly. I can serve you only if nobody will slander me. I can serve you only if no one will say wrong things about me. Many times we want to serve people only if everybody thinks good about us. And the Bible says that they will tie your hands and legs. They will take you to places you do not want to go. You will suffer for righteousness. You will be persecuted for righteousness. And when you stand before kings and rulers, you do not know what to say. Don't be afraid. The Holy Ghost himself will speak through you. That's what the Bible says. Count it pure joy, my brethren, when they, you all, they say all kinds of things against you. Great is your reward in heaven. And here we are quenching the fire of the Holy Spirit because somebody has spoken something bad about us. We're quenching the fire of the Holy Spirit because of the pride inside our heart. The Holy Spirit is saying, quench not the Holy Spirit. Don't put out that fire. The Holy Spirit has done so much in our life. Don't put out that fire. When you quench the work of the Holy Ghost in your life, when you resist the work of the Holy Spirit, He can't use you anymore. In fact, there are many believers I have seen, the fire is gone. I have been walking with God 32 years now. And I don't understand in 32 years, I have not seen one sensible reason why we should lose the fire of God. Not one sensible reason. Persecution, lack, I know what it means to be persecuted. I know what it means to be, have lack. I know what it means to be beaten for the sake of the gospel. I know what it means to be slandered by people, lied about. I've been thrown out of churches. I have been, you know, all kinds of pain and problems. We, we know what it means to suffer for righteousness. But I have not found one sensible reason to walk away from God. Not one. You know why? Because all through these 32 years, some people here in this group will probably know me for many, many years. All through these 32 years, I have kept building the Holy Spirit. I've kept praying in the Holy Spirit. When you go through difficult times, you run to a pastor. He may not have words to comfort you. You run to God. The Holy Ghost has the right things to tell you. The Holy Spirit can pick you up from where you are. The Holy Spirit can encourage you when you're discouraged. Today I want to tell you, take your eyes off men and women that have failed you. Take your eyes off them and set your eyes on Jesus. Who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. There is no sensible reason why you should put out the Spirit's fire. Oh, that pastor failed me. I served under him. Many pastors have failed me. But God hasn't failed us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means the God who was exciting to you when you encountered the Holy Ghost then, He is still exciting today, and He will be exciting till He calls us home. Hallelujah.
Some people say, too much fire, huh? too much fire. Huh? Don't, don't have too much, you're too excited. And, and all I want to tell them is that I don't understand why you're not on fire for God. Quench not the Holy Spirit. Don't put out His fire. Every day when you wake up, wake up with a, with a skip in your feet and say, Hallelujah Lord, what an exciting day. How can I serve you today? What can I do for you today, Jesus? What can I do differently? Even though you walk through difficult times, even though people oppose you, even though you go through difficulties, walk with God. He will be the glory and the lifter of your head. That's what God will do. That's why the Bible says, resist not the Holy Spirit, quench not the Holy Spirit. But let me close with this third and important one. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to grieve not? Ephesians 4 and verse 30. It says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? It means to be living in a way that's hurting the Holy Ghost. Don't live or walk in a way that hurts the Holy Spirit. You know, when our, when our children or people we care about, they don't walk with God, it breaks our heart. Or they disobey us, it breaks our heart. And the Holy Spirit is saying the same thing. Don't live in such a way that you grieve. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you for the day of His coming. And if He has sealed you for the day of His coming, then live in such a way that you don't grieve Him on the journey. What, is it? what does it mean? To grieve means to make sad or to make sorrowful. It means to cause pain or sorrow or distress. What makes the Holy Spirit sorrowful? Of course, disobeying God makes Him sorrowful. So many things. But what is this context? Look at Ephesians and chapter 4. And I want you to look at verse 22. That in reference to your former manner of life. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted. In accordance with lusts of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. God is saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by walking in lusts like the Gentiles walk. And he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by living with an unrenewed mind like the Gentiles. They don't think like the Word of God tells them to think. Many times when, I, when I'm hurt with some, something or some situation and, I, and I'm really upset, my emotions are going haywire, I suddenly lie down in bed and I tell myself, you have no right to think like that. You are a servant of God. You are no right to be angry with that person. You are a slave of Christ. Hallelujah. How many slaves of Christ do we have here? If we are bought with a price, then we are a slave of Christ. If we are a slave of Christ, then we will walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by carnal living. It says, therefore, lay aside falsehood. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? By telling lies. By telling lies, God is saying, Take a hold, a grip of your tongue. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. How much more God wants us to speak truth with our families and, and to our wife. Don't lie to your husband. Don't lie to your wife. Don't lie to your children. Don't lie to... Speak truth. Be a model. Be an example. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Then it says, you see, what, what, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? By, by, by walking in falsehood. Or by lying, by speaking ungodly things. Lying. We grieve the Holy Spirit by disobedience. 
When the Lord tells us to do something, obey something, we say, no, no, I can't do that. You don't know, that price is too costly. No, there's no way I'm going to do that. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit by uncontrolled emotions. What do you mean, Pastor, uncontrolled emotions? It says, in your anger, don't, don't sin. Let there not be anger and rage. And Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let your emotions be uncontrolled. Just, just you know, flying off the handle at everything that's upsetting you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on to say, how else can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Today, many, many believers are, are taking the alternate path. They're saying, does the Bible say, do not drink? Does the Bible say, do not drink? <laughs> Bible doesn't say, do not drink. It only says, do not be drunk with wine. Oh yeah, smart Alec. Does the Bible say, wear clothes? In the beginning? Uh-huh. Suddenly now you're getting smart. You see, we look for ways to get out of this. God, the Bible says, walk righteously, godly in this world. And it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't look for loopholes that will grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, one day somebody came to me and said, Pastor, where in the Bible says you'll have only, you must have only one wife? I was looking at this fellow and said, one wife itself, how much hard work we have to do. Why this fellow wants more than one wife? But he, theological question, where in the Bible does it say you must have only one wife? My answer was simple. I said, uh, he says, to the pastors it says, pastors must have only one wife. I said, why you hate us so much? You want more than one wife? You want pastors to have... Suddenly, no, no, past, only to pastors it says you must have only one wife. Where in the Bible others should not have? I said, see, fellow, listen to me carefully. I said, you know why the Bible tells pastors to have, be the husband of only one wife? Because pastors are supposed to model it out for others. Amen. Because we are supposed to model it out for others. Faithfulness, godliness, fear of the Lord, living in humility. And I said, if God wants it from the pastors, it's because we are the father of the home. And it's our responsibility to train the church to walk in the ways of God according to God's heart. Hallelujah. Amen. That is why the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Don't test the Lord, brothers and sisters. Don't test the Lord. Don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by testing Him. Like the Israelites tested Him in the wilderness and fell by the wayside. Don't use all kinds of foul language. Today, you know, today believers are using sanctified English language. Sanctified. Words that are not, not outrightly profane, but you know, halfway there. Or they say, you know, the other day one believer was telling me, I express myself best when I use profanity. I said, <laughs> I can imagine God expressing himself with you. You know, I express myself when I use the four letter word. I said, then you better stop expressing yourself because the Bible says, let not any unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Don't let ungodly words come out. Don't, don't use, you know, words that are on the fence. It's not there or here. You know, so to the unbeliever, those are sanctified words. And so you use it in the church. Everybody uses it. And even some of the pastors in the West use it. So what? Ask the question by being used, using those words. How does it build up the body? How am I an example to others? How am I modeling it out to others? Don't follow the West. Follow the word of God. 
Let there not be any unwholesome word that comes out of your mouth. Proceed from your mother. Only that which is a word good for edification. According to the moment, I'll give grace to the hearers. Some of us <laughs> nowadays are getting so pissed off. <laughs> In the church also. And we, we use words that are unwholesome. That, you know, we think, we think it's not that bad. It's not swearing. It's not all of that. And we think it's just the borderline. But wait a minute. Why do you want to dwell on the border? Why don't you live in His kingdom? Why don't you live, why don't you represent Jesus Christ the whole way? Let us as a family of God represent God the whole way. Amen. Resist not the Holy Spirit. Quench not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. This is, these are signs of a spirit-filled life. This is how we know we're living a spiritual life. And if we're not living like that, we're living far below God's standards. We feel, now, we, we're not saved because of these things. But now that we're saved, let's walk in it. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes and pray together right now. Hallelujah. Father, Father, we want to repent right now. We want to repent, Father, for... For representing a life that is not from the kingdom. Or representing things that are not from the house of God. Father, many times we as believers, we misrepresent the king. And when others see us, they, they see a far poorer image of what the kingdom of God is. I pray for us as a church. We repent for resisting the Holy Spirit. Lord, if there are areas in our life where we are resisting the Holy Spirit, we repent, O oh Lord. Father, we repent for quenching the fire of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to just, just somehow live as Christians. We want to we go after the fire of the Holy Spirit. We want to be on fire for you, Lord. Father, we want to we repent for putting out that fire. We want to repent for not intentionally desiring to grow in the Lord. Father, we want to repent for not walking with the Word and being filled with the Spirit. And Father, if there's any among us today that is grieving the Holy Spirit by a life of sin and carnality, today we want to repent, O oh Lord. Father, we want to say, Father, we repent for sin. If there's anyone today that is living in the ways of the devil, walking in the fruit of the flesh, with immorality or lying or, or all kinds of ungodly things, or loving money more than you love God, repent today. Repent today. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because the only life worth living is a life that is filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this precious day. We repent and we say, Father, we want you to be our Lord and Savior. And we want to represent the kingdom. We give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said aloud, Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in. 